Stay true, stay real, stay righteous. What are you having to drink tonight, Chris? I'm going to have me something called the Bach Hog. The Bach Hog. Yeah. This is actually um, a barrel-aged beer, kind of like Kentucky, um, Kentucky Gentleman. You ever had that? Well, anyways, this is actually a beer that is aged in a whiskey barrel. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, now, now we've had some before that, that are like that, right? Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay, gotcha. I think we have had some before. Gotcha. I know I have. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's actually, so a Bach is actually like a, a term A music a composer. <laughs> no. No, this is B-O-C-K. Okay. That actually, it's actually like a type of beer, I think. It stands for like a heavy beer mm-hmm. or a type of heavy beer. But it's kind of a play on words because it's aged in whiskey barrels, and the whiskey's name is the Boss Hog Seven. The so, Boss Hog Seven. Yeah, it's the name of a whiskey Boss barrel. Boss Hog. Yeah, the Boss Hog Seven. Interesting. I've never heard of it, hmm. but I guess that because it's a beer and it's a heavy beer, they said the Bach Hog. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out earlier. I was like, I don't get it. I was like, I was reading the name, and I said, I can tell it's it's trying to play play something on words, but I don't get it. And it's because I didn't understand what a Bach was. So, but anyways, uh, just useless information. So I was scrolling through Facebook, and this advertisement popped Uh-oh. up. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I try to avoid it, and I've done pretty good the about cesspool not. Cesspool of social yeah, media. I, 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 hey, I have to admit, I've actually I don't get on it as much as I used to. I've been doing a lot better than because it's just horrendous. Social media for me is just. Terribly uncomfortable, but anyways, <laughs> it is. I, I just, oh man, but it, so so social situations. Period is strange for me, but anyways, <laughs> you know, in in the in social the bizarre situations. in in the yeah, <laughs> I hate socializing. But anyways, um, so so I came across this. It was it was like an old advertisement for these toys. And the toys were from, so the toys were from a cartoon that was called The Toxic Crusaders. Okay. And as I was watching this commercial, by the way, this is like a really, oh, it was before my time. I don't remember these toys. Mm-hmm. This is probably back in the 80s. But um, as the I was watching. The Toxic Crusaders, yeah. I've never heard of that. So, well, that's interesting. So I haven't either. But I was watching this commercial, so it was advertising the toys that were, made for the cartoon show and so showing clips back and forth between the kids playing with the toys and then actual footage from the cartoon show mm-hmm. and as i'm watching it i'm like i know what this is i said i know who those characters are i said that's a cartoon based off of the there's a movie called the toxic avenger <laughs> have you ever heard of it yeah, it's actually it's actually kind of like a cult classic like a lot of people is it the janitor is that what it is? Yes, is yes. it a janitor? Yes. That becomes Yeah, or I, I remember he has a mop. He has like a mop, right. he fights with a mop. So the anyway, so, so So this this sort of ties into so, so the whole point of this is like for You're one kidding. I've for never one, heard of this. This sort of ties into this bizarre thing that apparently was happening in the eighties, just like the Rambo cartoon. Oh yeah. Where they felt like these Rambo. <laughs> these obviously not kid movies. Mm-hmm. Would somehow make good kid cartoon shows, <laughs> RoboCop. I mean, you know, like generally, like they're coming from movies that are not kid movies. 
So what was uh, this called? To- you said so, so it's so, based off the Toxic so Avenger. So the cartoon was called The Toxic Crusaders. The I've toxic never Crusaders. seen it before. Okay. It's the first right. time I've ever seen it. I'm kind of tempted to look up some episodes and watch it. Mm-hmm. But as I'm as a but it's based off the movie The Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. And so the Toxic Avenger is actually a live action movie. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a like a not to be a, mistaken with the Marvel Avengers, right? No, no, absolutely n- nothing. He doesn't near fight that. with Captain America. This is America. like this is like pure, unadulterated raw B movie. Yeah, just you know, cringe worthy stuff. But it's actually pretty entertaining to right, watch. Right, like it, it, it's kind of become a a classic in its own just because the story itself is actually kind of fun and interesting and it just the kind of over the top goofiness right just works mm-hmm. it actually spawned i think like two or three other films of the toxic avenger Follow-ups, but essentially yeah. for anybody who's never, by the way spoiler alert for anybody who's never seen the films but the toxic avenger film is actually it's about like you said i think it's a, a janitor or a guy who gets bullied and somehow he ends up <laughs> falling into like this toxic right. waste or yeah. something, and he becomes like this giant hulked out. <laughs> like it's it's one of those co- comical things where it's obviously not even the same actor. Like they just got they got like a little scrawny nerdy guy, and then when he transforms into the big <laughs> Hulk mute, mutant, he turns into this big old giant hulked out mutant. Right, and he starts like you know he kind of becomes like a hero. Right. So it's like fighting against He's an like criminals and stuff. Yeah, but he has to dun, hide. It, but dun, he has to hide dun, out in the dun. sewers and stuff because you know people people will be terrified of him. He's a mutant <laughs> right. or whatever. He's hiding out in a junkyard or something weird right. like that. I remember. Right. So anyway, it's just this bizarre story, but it's actually pretty entertaining. It's really gory, and you know they got all kinds of cool, you know, B movie special effects. Mm-hmm. But um, it it comes from the. It's actually part of a. It's a film that's from a production group called Troma Entertainment. And they're actually known for a lot of really bizarre movies like that. Like, I know they, really? made, they made a movie called, like, Surf Nazis. Uh, <laughs> they made one called Honky Honky Holocaust or something like that. Uh, oh, Thanks Killing. Um, Mother's Day. I don't know, you probably uh-huh. heard that one. There's there's a horror movie called Mother's Day. Um <laughs> There is. Oh, they're, uh, they're still around. Cl- Class of Nukem High. They made like a few of those movies. Class of Nukem High, huh? Are they still around? I I think it still exists. The company. I don't know if they're still like releasing stuff mm. or anything. Maybe the or, ones... or I wouldn't know anything recently. Mm. Maybe they're I... the ones that make the the, the movies so, on sci-fi. So I'm just gonna read off a list of movies that Troma Entertainment has made, <laughs> just to give you an idea of what type of stuff they enjoy. Sharknado. So, there's a film called <laughs> Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> okay. Class of Nukem High. I said that yeah. one. Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. Man, I'm into it. And he's actually wearing like Kabuki face mask painting. <laughs> so that's Sorry, Sergeant Kabuki. <laughs> Starring there's George a, Clooney. There's a, um, a movie called The Good, The Bad, and The Subhumanoid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're just listening to this, and you're already redneck zombies. Yeah, I mean, man, I like okay, it. Okay, here, here's a good one. Video demons do psycho town <laughs> when nature calls. This one looks very bizarre. It shows like a a woman making sexual advances on what looks like a bear that is mm. part man. 
Interesting. They're also involved in the <laughs> pornography business. Yes, there's a lot of smut in these films. <laughs> there, I mean, it's you know, it's it, lust for freedom. <laughs> wow, it's kind of like the the grindhouse movies, right? Or no, or the exploitation films, right? Stuff like that. Oh Night my gosh, he's even, he's even, they even have a movie with Samuel Jackson in it. Oh yeah. Yep. Death D F by Temptation. <laughs> I've got to watch it, man. I've got to watch it. Scream, baby, scream. <laughs> Cannibal the Musical. Oh, nice. Ooh, Chris, you're a fan of musicals. I like I like some musicals. Mm-hmm. I do. Fag Hag. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's the name of our movie. I'm not, I'm not making it up. Of course it is. Ferocious Female Freedom Fighters. Yeah. Killer Nerd. Bad Charleston Charlie. I'm sorry, I'm still naming off movies. Anyways, you get you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Their their trauma entertainment is known for these very B, you know, just insane, typically scary based type movies or whatever. Right. You should definitely check them out if you've never seen them. They're, they're the type of movies, even the Toxic Avenger, where you could sit around, have a few beers with your friends, mm-hmm. get high if you do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and watch and just have a good time. Anyway, you were talking about musicals, though. Yeah, what's the? Uh, I think me and you always hold the consensus that Jesus Christ Superstar. Is is mutually no, like a, a, a phenomenal musical. I like Jesus Christ Superstar. Man, what a great musical! It is. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, it is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Even if you're even if you're not religious, like it, it, it's a great musical. I agree. In Jesus Christ Superstar, the, the narrative takes a really interesting turn from the traditional narrative that Judas himself was this betrayer that was evil and was kind of always up to something and everything. Well, Jesus Christ Superstar takes the perspective that Judas was truly troubled by what was happening with everything in that time and what their movement was doing and, and the attention that they were gaining through it. I mean, right? That's kind of the yeah, way I perceive well, it. Well, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think what's interesting about so once again, another spoiler alert for anybody who's never seen the musical... Um, there are maybe a few movies you can watch of it, but it's a musical. Right. You can see it live um, where, when it is performing. Mm-hmm. But um, is, it still, is it, it still done? Do people still yeah, do it? I'm sh- no I'm shit. Sure it still comes That's up cool. every once in a while, yeah. Um, but it essentially kind of unfolds the last days of Jesus Christ, essentially is what the story unfolds. And you've got all these, you know, famous biblical characters, including Jesus himself. Right. And, you know, as the story goes on, they have these different His songs and things, yeah. and everybody has their turn getting to sing. But what I, but but what makes this musical sort of give some depth to the characters is, I think, in the music, right? Right, right. You're following the story that you've already heard before, mm-hmm. but these characters, what they're singing about, if you really listen to the, the things they're talking about mm-hmm. um, in the songs, I think it does kind of reveal more to who they were and why they were doing these things, right? Right. It's, it, well, well, there's a very frustrated human <sighs> element to it. Well, it, well, I think you're right. A very human element to it, mm-hmm. right? Even even Jesus, you know, it's it's almost kind of. I mean, it, when you first watch it, you might laugh a little bit when you right, see Jesus, right. you know, singing <laughs> and Why should you want to know? I'm Don't still telling you, you Eric, about the future, man. I'm still telling you, Eric, you're like, hey, you like Jesus, getting, you know, man, that would have flowing great. in the wind. But but you know, when you really listen to the lyrics, um, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber, I feel like was really putting thought into what he was writing. I mean, it wasn't right. just a, a walkthrough of the biblical story i think there was some intent behind 
mm-hmm. you know, trying to, to use his art to, to sort of communicate this or, or sort of question maybe some of the these beliefs. Because I, I think maybe you, when we've, I feel like we've talked about Jesus Christ Superstar before, mm-hmm. but I've also feel like maybe you mentioned before that, that when this originally, when the musical originally came out, it was sort of in a time when people were sort of questioning spirituality. I mean, it was like, what in the, I mean, I don't know the exact date when the... 70s. The 70s. So, I mean, it was just in a time when people were kind of in that phase of questioning spirituality and religion. Mm-hmm. And, and I you know, it, it would make sense that there was some of that behind it. You know, he would he would have been maybe thinking of those same things during that time when he was writing it. First off, I, I I I do not like musicals. I'm not a fan of them at all. But I really enjoy Jesus Christ Superstar because I can at least listen to the lyrics and and feel and understand the story and the narrative that's that's being told. But the opening number is super crazy because it's it's actually Judas singing this whole number about his confliction with as much as he loves what Jesus tells him the destiny that awaits them he also sees the attention that it draws and the issues that are coming from it due to the fact that they're under the occupation of Rome. Well, and I think it's interesting when you bring that up. You know, there's a lot of people that understand kind of the the quick version of of the Bible, right? They know, or the quick version of... The New Testament. Right. Right. Even if you're, you know, if you're not devout and maybe you haven't read the Bible, you sort of know how the story unfolds. A lot of people do. Judas the Betrayer, right? right? But what's interesting is if you really read in depth, and and even in the text, Judas was an interesting character because he was actually from a different region right. from most of, of the other Jewish followers of Jesus. Correct. And he had actually, and I believe you had told me this, that mm-hmm. he actually came from an area that had pre that had been occupied by the Romans or or another nation. Correct. Or something. It was the Romans, right? And so he had already sort of had this experience. Well, or, or well, knew what was, knew what kind of was coming. First and foremost, I believe somehow his last name Iscariot is traced to the region that's north of the area that a lot of these events were unfolding, and that specific area had been occupied by Rome, and there was actually a Jewish rebellion. This rebellion obviously did not succeed because Rome ma- maintained control. So, so the point is, it, when you know he so, had been influenced, th- right? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, there's a lot of a lot of history that alludes to the idea that he was heavily influenced by these events of the Romans absolutely destroying this place he had came from, and what that can also lead one to believe is that someone in that region who also would have been a, of devout Jewish faith, a Jew themselves, could also believe the Messiah as as the Jews traditionally believed to be the savior of their race. And a lot of people perceive that that salvation through the sword. Mm-hmm. A lot of them Correct. didn't see didn't see it as a man of peace coming and you know changing the minds of people or diplomacy. They saw it as somebody liberating them from the, this occupation they had undergone. So there's a lot of theories that circulate around the idea that Judas himself was heavily influenced by what had happened to him in this region he had grown up in and saw the atrocities of the Romans. And when he met Jesus, not only was he, you know, captured by the philosophies and the ideas that he was speaking about, but he also potentially saw someone who was the Messiah that could also make people listen and join them and and essentially create an army to bring the, the Jewish population back into prominence and to drive the Romans out. I think something that 
people get really misconstrued is is the motive behind what Judas did, or the motive behind why Judas did what he did. We all kind of know the story under the idea that he betrayed Jesus. Judas was essentially the right-hand man of Jesus. I mean, Judas was was very valued by Jesus. He was very close. They were. I, he was, I think he was with them from very early on, and he was actually the keeper of the purse. He 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 managed their finances. So it also showed that that Judas held a lot of intellect. Now, if you were to explore the Gnostic Gospels, which hold a very interesting text that's that's actually called the Gospel of Judas, it actually speaks of Judas being you know, th- this prominent figure to Jesus, and a lot of really interesting dialogue that goes on between them. He was even an intellect to the point where he would question Jesus at times and ask for more answers. Um, really fascinating stuff. I would implore anybody to, to explore it, if, you know, the, the Gospel of Judas. Th- there's so many other avenues you can go by rather than the biasness that's presented to you because let's just look at it for what it is. Let's say that you followed this person who was speaking about radical ideologies and was giving this this profound sense of knowledge to people and allowing them to understand things about themselves they had never understood before. And one man chose to betray him, and it led to his execution. I mean, naturally, how would you feel about that? So scholars would even probably back the idea that there's a lot of heavy biasness against the story of Judas due to the fact that the people who wrote about it were mainly the people who were really pissed off about mm, what happened. Yeah. Um, in the Gospel of Judas, it's actually it's, it's pretty much told to Judas that his role in that destiny is predetermined. So the traditional story, I believe, says that Jesus, Jesus makes the comment about one of his followers betraying him, but I believe if you look at the text as a whole, you'll see that Early on, it was talked about Judas playing a very significant role in delivering the message that Jesus was trying to present to people. Um, him and Ju- him and Jesus have a very in-depth conversation about this, and about and and Judas is very distraught by this because it's it's almost a revelation that's brought to him. I, I, wasn't there a story too that you had talked about, and maybe or maybe it's it's a something that a story in the book. Maybe it's either Judas or Jesus. One of them says, you know, I've, I saw like the temple and all these mm. people were in it, but I was outside of it or something like that. There's, well, a, there's some kind of story where he says something like that. Well, and again, I mean, we're getting so so we're diving into some very unorthodox storytelling here because a lot of what we're, we're talking about would not, especially if you're religious, would not be considered part of the canon of truth which is why it is currently the Christian canon that tells us, here's how it happened, here's who it was, here are the events that unfolded. Mm-hmm. But in the Lost Gospel of Judas, it tells a story about Judas and Jesus, actually, or Yahshua, taking, taking a walk together. And during this walk, Jesus essentially gives Judas this vision. He allows him to see what the future holds for him. And in this vision, he sees he sees like a temple, and he sees all of his other his fellow apostles all gathered there. Yet he doesn't see himself there, and it leads him to ask the question to Jesus: um, Am I not worthy of this? 
And Jesus responds and tells him, this is when Jesus gives him the revelation that you you have a more pivotal role to play in all of this. But it's it's him telling him, you're going to do something that's that's never going to be seen favorably. I guess to, tie, to kind of tie it back around to what originally got it. So the same thing that sort of interests us about exploring some of the other information that's out there, I think was driving people. That could have been a motivator when you hear some of the music in Jesus Christ Superstar it does seem like there sort of is a, a deeper thought going into the story. It right. does feel like maybe there was some attempt to sort of make people ask the question a little bit more about, you know, why did they do these things? Why were these characters, why did they play the role they did? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, I guess it was a, I guess it's sort of say that, that there is more to learn about, I don't know, the story. Well, I mean, something that, that has to be taken into context is, this information has only been available to us since like 30s and the 40s, and then the Nakamati Library, which contained a lot of what was called the Gnostic Gospels, were discovered, and that was where all your trippy books come out of, like uh, you know, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, um, the Gospel of Judas. I think even some I can't remember his name, but the guy who wrote like the Da Vinci Code, mm-hmm. he kind of plays on a lot of this stuff. He really plays on the idea that the church kind of concealed these texts, which I really don't think is that accurate. I think. The church repressed it ages ago, and it was something that simply became lost to man until it was unearthed. Right. I find it strangely mm. coincidental that it was unearthed right around the same times, and we've had access to this information and much time to study it and to translate it. I mean, you can go online and download any of these texts, any of these texts that tell vastly different stories about something that's really confusing to people is the Dead Sea Scrolls are the are the oldest known Hebrew text that we have. It's the oldest forms of scripture that we've ever known. The issue with that is not only does it validate some of the texts that already exist, but it also brings into existence new texts that either were known about or um, forgotten altogether. So these new texts give us a very different look at some of the early Judaic ideologies and philosophies. And some of them are, are very interesting. Some of them are centered around almost dualistic standpoints. I mean, these things these things that kind of resonate amongst all the religions. Now, it seems as time goes on, Christianity actually kind of stands out a lot further than other world religions. I mean, think about how intertwined a lot of world religions are it's good it's good to be curious i think it's good to question things and i think it's good to seek deeper understanding of things especially things that have been told to us to be orthodox or unorthodox i think they're they're all worth exploring because to me if i can read a text that's been presented to me and it's and it's told to me that it's been preserved through divinity and holds validity i also need to be able to read the other existing texts and to make that same determination myself. I, I think for people to to explore those things, especially if somebody is already very dedicated to what they already know, um, it, it's just a matter of being very open-minded. Sure. Read it and see how it feels. Does yeah. it make sense? Is it just seem as ah, crazy? Just, is it gibberish? Right. You know, it, 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 you might be interested by what it actually reveals. It may not be as bizarre as you think it is. It may fit a little bit better than you thought they would in some of the context, right? I mean, does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, I mean, I think me and you've explained before because we always like to talk about the mythical 
the mythical happenings of of like the Old Testament ages because there's some really cool mythology mm-hmm. there. We talk about the Nephilim sure. yep. and you know these these giants that roam the earth and the Watchers descending to man and teaching us the ways of war and and herbs and roots and makeup and crystals and jewelry and all this crazy shit that's never and sex and drugs yeah. and uh, no, I don't know I'm just kidding. <laughs> And, and sin. The great ascension of man. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's bizarre, weird stuff, man. But it's really cool to read this very mystical perspective on all of it. That in itself holds power. I mean, there was a reason why the Vikings were so compelled by their mythology. They were dedicated to this idea of seeking a glorious death in battle so they could sit in Valhalla. Because it was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, the... the Odin, the fucking Fenrir, Loki, Thor. I mean, everything was killer about the religion. They loved it. It was incredible to them. It was amazing. They wanted to be there. They were they gave were in purpose. They were inspired by yeah. it. And I think whenever you read some of these texts, especially the Gnostic Gospels, you find this profound wisdom that is not instilled in the other text because it's simply not agreed that that is necessarily the way to seek truth. The issue that I take with that that concept is who is anyone to tell us what truth is i think the truth shall reveal itself to you i agree with that i think the truth is the truth but you can't you can't weaponize the truth when it's not there mm-hmm. when it's not real the truth is the truth we have to accept it regardless but our feelings about that truth should not be invalidated and we need to respect that i think too like Simply people just questioning and even having more existential thoughts about stuff is Absolutely. okay to have. You know, sometimes let people sort of have those questions and ask those things, you know. Well, and I think a lot of times that we are told that we shouldn't ask those questions. Those are abnormal thoughts. Well, what do you mean you question no. your existence or you question your reason for getting up in the morning? Why is that such a bad question to ask yourself? It sounds heavy. It sounds like something you say, man, that's somebody who's seriously depressed. Somebody who really has issues, questions why they get up in the morning. Or is that somebody who's just curious or why they have to get up and do they, anything? They start to get depressed when they are when they ask people those questions well, and so they just kind of get it's blown confusing. off. Like. I mean, it's very confusing because I always love to make, I, you know, it's one of the most classic examples, but we, you know, a lot of people always make the comparison to the Matrix, which is obviously a pretty extreme comparison. But I think The Matrix gives us a really good idea about how reality isn't always what we perceive it to be. There are systems that are consistently working against us to create the world we live in. And there's reasons that they do that. There's reasons that things happen to us in order to facilitate the environment that that we've all collectively kind of agreed to live in. Kind of freaky, isn't it? It's weird, man. It's weird and it's exhausting Welcome to, to think the about. Circus. <laughs> it's Welcome to the to shit show. <laughs> that's what they yeah. ought to say. Hey, Al, that's what they ought to say for every newborn baby that comes out. Hey, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> Think about it. You come out crying already. You're like, oh, God. Oh, God. Not the physical world. Oh. <laughs> well, Chris, as always, it's been good. Absolutely. And if you enjoy what you heard tonight, we are streaming on all major platforms. And you can check us out on any of our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, everybody stay true, stay real, stay righteous.